So you introduce all of us. Be like, we got Ray. All of us? Okay. Because they wanted to associate the voice with the name. Yeah. (coughs) Then don't do that. (laughs) Okay, Paul. We're going going a clockwise fashion, and that's about it. All right. Starting with George. And the one, and the two, and the Paul still talks. All right. One, two, three, four. Action. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Crossover Comics Podcast. This is George. Clockwise. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Crossover Comics Podcast. My name is George. Hi, this is Paul. And you got Claudio over here. And this is Ray. And today we are getting together to talk about Superman vs. Batman. Dawn of Justice. We just saw it, um, and I guess we all have a little initial reactions to share. Uh, I can go first. Um, we'll go I clockwise, had, Paul. We'll go clockwise, <laughs> starting with me, and then it'll be Claudio. I don't know how well that worked out. And so, I guess, expectations going into the film. I think I actually had kind of high-ish expectations. Part of me was hoping that everything that was in the trailer would happen in the first half hour of the film. And then I'd be surprised by a whole lot of stuff afterwards. I don't think that necessarily happened. Um, Highlight for the movie would probably be uh, Perry White was amazing. I found Perry White. He talked in newspaper headlines the whole time, which I think is an amazing gimmick Mm -hmm. that no one uses anymore. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Any highlights from you, uh, Claudio? Before we continue on, spoiler free. Yeah. We, I think we should kind of yeah, we should, we should address the situation. Yeah, at least right? someone knows what's going on. I try sometimes. So You're just saying that because you slept through the last half of the film. I definitely You're a bit more did not. <laughs> All right, guys. So this podcast is spoiler free. Yeah. And uh, in terms of my expectations, well... I mean, going into it, I won't lie, I didn't read a few, I didn't read reviews, but I just looked at the scores and weren't too great. Uh, So based on that, I wasn't really expecting much. The trailers before seeing the movie gave me a bit of an insight of what was going on, kind of wrapped up most of the movie anyways, Uh, but we'll get into that a bit later on. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think I was in the same boat as you. I mean, all day or all week, everyone's been all, have you seen, have you heard, have you seen? And I already wasn't expecting much, but when the reviews started pouring in, I was like, ah, you know, it's good, because if I go in with all expectations, hopefully I'll be surprised. It might actually be... Yeah, this will be this will be good, and, you know, I'm hoping it succeeds, because it's pretty fun to see all those characters, and, mm-hmm. yeah, but, yeah. So, went in with all expectations, left with uh, emotions. Emotions? <laughs> Fe- feelings? Feelings. Feelings. Those are called feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, on my end, I also kind of went in with low expectations. Uh, just I always try to go into movies with lower expectations, just because <laughs> it, it will give me a better experience when I come out pleasantly surprised. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, and <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised with this film. I felt it was long. Uh, streamlining it could have improved it a lot. But there were things which really impressed me. Uh, for one, I wasn't sure about Gal Gadot's rendition of Wonder Woman, but they introduced her perfectly. She did a great rendition. And uh, I'm just in general always a fan of Scoot McNary. 
he, whenever you see him, he just kind of seems like a puppy dog you want to hold. <laughs> but, like, a puppy dog who's kind of weak. Like, he just got over a cold. And, give, give, uh, give listeners a little bit of an intro to Scoop McNary oh, Scoop in Mc- case they don't know. Scoop McNary you'll uh, recognize in the film as the uh, security guard from Wade Enterprises. Uh, other films he's been in, probably the biggest was Monsters, where he had to... Uh, cart an heiress across South America while giant kaiju attacked. Alright. I may also just really love him from that one film. Nice. Well, now you have two films to, to love him by. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, uh, what were people's reactions to some of the reveals we had? Uh, Wonder Woman was a very big one, of course. I, I was expecting her to be good, actually. I feel... Yeah. Yeah. I was almost expecting her to be good counterculture because so many people are like, oh, it's such a horrible pick. And I was like, I don't know why you're saying that. We haven't even... Like, she looks the part. What yeah. else are you expecting? And then in the movie, I think she did a great job. Uh, ben Affleck as Batman was good. Like, he did a good job, even though even though I feel some of the writing was not great. But I don't put that on him. Yeah, I wasn't expecting um, Wonder Woman and Batman to have as much back and forth as they did. They kind of had, like, this buddy thing going on for some of the movie that worked pretty well. And yeah. I kind of thought that would develop more along the lines of relationship between her and Superman. We didn't necessarily see that too much at the beginning. Huh. No, yeah. And ba- the Batman, Bruce Wayne with Wonder Woman relationship started off early, too. Yeah. I thought he was a pretty cool Bruce Wayne, truth be told, Ben Affleck. Yeah, it was- he, in his Batman, too, I liked a lot. Like, <clears throat> he was meatier, bigger, more, um, like, violent. I think George described it really well. Um, some of the fight scenes seemed to be just grabbed from, like, 80s wrestling. That, that wasn't me selling its praises, though, because... Uh, uh, to me, that was a highlight. Oh, okay, because <laughs> specifically I was talking about when Batman and Superman fight, uh, mm-hmm. and Batman's in the suit, and I thought that, like, the kind of really stilted movement was to convey the fact that he's in the suit with power coming from it, mm-hmm. but it did seem kind of like two giant guys uh, wrestling in the 80s, who just kind of, like, forearm smashes. Yeah. yeah forearm the, smashes are effective, though. They definitely are. I found that the fight scenes that Batman had were actually well choreographed. It did bring back, like you said, from the nostalgic, the nostalgic kind of Batman style. And if any of the newer, newer people, like newer kids or whoever it is growing up with Batman nowadays, if they play a lot of video games and so on, it's all that that's kind of pounding. Yeah, well, actually, I really love the fight scenes where Batman was just kind of beating up criminals because uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean that really seemed like classic Batman, whereas. Other times, it just kind of seemed like specifically the armor scene because it's just so yeah. limiting the movement. It Did seemed you find too it posing. reminiscent of like the, the recent video games. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I think was pretty cool. Especially just the usage of grappling, uh, his grappling gun. At certain points, it got a little unbelievable, like just defying the laws of like physics and gravity with like giant crates being swung around. Yeah. But overall, I'd say maybe like. 5% of it, it I was very was... comic-y, I feel, in that way, though. Like, I like that mm-hmm. slide. That's the type of yeah. things that, you know, you'll see that in, in all the Marvel movies, too, is that these type of actions, which are obviously a bit over-exaggerated. But that's the thing. Like, I feel like you can exaggerate just enough to make it impressive, um, but still keep it within the general realm of realism. Um, and, like, like I don't want to, like, claim that the Batman fighting style is, like, unrealistic at all. Like, it was just, like, a few moments when otherwise you just kind of, like, crazy badassery. Or we did see him train, and he he definitely yeah. does know how to train. So I wouldn't put it against him if he could throw a crate over his head. Yeah, CrossFit. Yeah, CrossFit. He, he trains a lot too. Like apparently, he spent all his money on gadgets. Like his training was a hammer, a tire, and chains. That's all you need. Like he, yeah, apparently. <laughs> but I would have thought 
Bruce Wayne had a bit would invest a bit more in a gym. He probably does CrossFit. Yeah, but that's also one of the interesting questions, right? Like, on one hand, it was cool to see the Batman training montage, but when one of our criticisms is that the movie is fairly long, did we yeah. need the training montage? Yeah. Like, where could we have streamlined the film? I wouldn't have cut the training montage. Yeah. Just because I, what I liked actually about that is that it kind of ran parallel with something that Lex Luthor was doing, and I thought it was kind mm. of good to kick the movie into high gear. But I'm generally a fan of training montages, so I mean, <laughs> that could just be a real personal preference but on that you one. You know what, Adrian... Uh, who the other guy who decided not to do the podcast, who saw it with us, is was talking about how they could have cut it too. And I was like, what would it, like, cutting it wouldn't have improved the story though. Like, the, mm. the, the plot did not have a smooth enough flow. Yeah, that's a great You know, the, the plot was not cohesive enough, but removing <coughs> something would have made it tighter. Because the, there was virtually no plot. I th- like, it was well, taken for granted that you're, you know, you know what you're walking into. True, but I also feel tightening it, even if it doesn't um, make the plot function better, makes it's it lessens the impact of the meandering, just because you spend so much time kind of sitting around realizing nothing's going on. Well, the thing, and I think, Ray, you mentioned the flow being broken up. That was one thing that was really, really tough um, for me watching it, is that it was jarring. It would be in one scene, and then it would just jump to another scene. Yeah, very like, quickly. And there's so many characters. Like, there, there, was, a, there was, what would we say, three... Batman, Superman, Luther, like the three, and yeah. Lois Lane too. Yeah, she had so, a pretty heavy part. In yeah, that. so I mean, you you jumped around so much that it was really hard to keep track at times. I think it's more just like the yeah. Not even I hard agree to keep with. Track. It's, it, it wasn't hard to keep track, just but it's just the whole the whole yeah exactly. Disjointed would be actually a great great uh, adjective you can use. Like the whole pacing of it was it was very okay. We're learning about about this character and we're jumping quick to another one. Mm-hmm. And I found that there was not much of a development. I didn't really feel uh, kind of attached to any of the characters, really. Except for maybe Lex Luthor. I don't know if that's because I'm psychotic. <laughs> um, you love Lex Luthor. I, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. I don't know if it's because uh, his kind of maniacal sense, humor as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I found, found it gave a little something. If Okay, just going back a little bit, like... Lex Luthor is often one of my favorite parts of Superman movies. Like, I thought Gene Hackman was, like, super cool and crazy and just hilarious. I really like Kevin Spacey Mm. in Superman Returns. I know maybe, like, a lot of people didn't like him all that much, but I thought he did a really good Mm -hmm. job. So I was looking forward a lot to Lex Luthor. Um, I don't know. His lines were okay. The performance seemed really like he was trying very, very hard. I felt like I was watching a guy act, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't normally feel with supervillains. They should be over the top, you know? I felt he was too quirky, though. I felt like they tried to modernize him, almost make him like a, like a, Joker. Know, a Silicon Valley CEO. Yeah, and because of that, he came off a bit Joker. Joker, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of agree with that, and I'm ambivalent because on one hand, I, I, I'm cool with different interpretations, and trying to yeah. modernize Luther isn't necessarily a bad thing. But my big problem with him wasn't the performance, which I it kind of enjoyed. It was more that. We never really saw Luther's capabilities mm. uh, or any kind of buildup where we realize just how intelligent Lex is and how dangerous he is as a villain. It's more just kind of like unraveled gradually that like Luther's behind that, it. That's why yeah. I felt he was more Jokerish. It almost felt like a meant like this crazy plot where he was just trying to mess with people. Whereas yeah. I feel there's a certain like arrogance a and plan. a point when he does stuff. Mm-hmm. When he's doing stuff, like he has a big end goal, and I feel like his end goal here was. I guess too comic booky, you know, like almost the I'm gonna too watch you bookies. go up to this chainsaw slowly. Well, then and there's also kind of the reveal of his ulterior motives, which 
almost got kind of Lovecraftian uh, in yeah. a way, which I, I this is spoiler free, so yeah, we'll stop there. We'll stop there. But uh, again, that's another interpretation of new interpretation of characters, which yeah. is he intriguing. Wasn't, he wasn't making a play for real estate. It was mm-hmm. something a little bit more um, ambitious, I guess. It was cool to see his character slowly crack over time, though. I thought that we would. I I thought that as the movie moved on, he would get pared down from being this like person who's really really wealthy to being a guy with like a singular focus almost like a knife you know cut through other characters mm. but he became more like a shotgun blast like just kind of nuts yeah it's kind of cool he definitely uses money pretty well it was neat to see uh, a super villain that was also like just enjoying playing basketball and stuff like that kind of random Very i can casual. see i can see where maybe you would cut certain <laughs> scenes out <laughs> don't add a whole ton um there are also characters that i thought would be huge characters that uh Played a lower role than I thought they would, so uh, it's possible that the extended edition will, you know, in- increase their presence. Like there's a senator character that wasn't in the movie as much as I thought she would be, but I feel, you know what, the, and they had no choice because of how they were putting out the movie, and I mm-hmm. think that was the biggest flaw trying to introduce so much. But like uh, watching Avengers: Age of Ultron, I always remember that Thor scene where he's in the water, yeah, and it really felt shoehorned in, mm-hmm. and that was one of the scenes that just stands out as being shoehorned in, and mm-hmm. I feel like. There must have been at least half a dozen times in this movie where something felt shoehorned in. Oh, wholeheartedly. There was a lot of groundwork being laid for all of the subsequent DC movies, which on one hand they have to do because uh, they got play catch-up. But it it definitely did lengthen the film, kind of made it drag a bit. It Uh, gives me hope for the next ones, though. Yeah, like now that they put the groundwork, like this may have been yeah. like the sacrificial lamb to to set the stage. The, the nice thing is, all the groundwork they were laying looked really cool. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't just kind of arbitrary. Uh, so it did excite me. Yeah, I feel like that's where maybe the extended cut would kind of it's it would be more of a hit or miss, you know, because it can add a lot of extra details that if you want to see there. Exactly, that could actually shed a bit more light on what's going on throughout the movie and behind the characters, because especially for people who are not too familiar with all the characters, they can be a little bit lost in terms of what's going on. And it could be maybe be a miss, the extended cut, because then it could drag on a little too much longer, as we already said that it's you pretty... Know, looking at the scenes, though, that they long. added and all these little extra shoehorn stuff, I wonder how necessary they were. Like I think back to some of the first uh, X-Men movies. Where they used to do a little, a lot of little nods to characters, not yeah. like in, on the computer screen in the background. See a list of mutants mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff, yeah. Or you know, a cerebral went. You'd you'd catch glimpses, but in this, instead of like glimpsing, they would stop and focus on it for a bit, yeah. and then keep going. And I wonder if that was necessary. Like people really need to be like, know. look, this is this character. Look, 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 see, 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 see. Pay attention. Okay, okay. Now we're gonna <laughs> keep going with the plot. Like where instead of just like you go by him and you're like, oh, was that? And you know, everyone's gonna break it down ad nauseum on the internet. So yeah. it's not really like someone's going to miss it. Like, in three days, we'll have 50 YouTube videos saying, oh, did you catch all these spoilers? Did you catch this cameo? And people like that type of stuff, actually. I don't Mm -hmm. think you need to just jump up and down waving your hands in the middle of the movie. I think part of that is just kind of... um almost like house style uh marvel does throw in a lot of easter eggs expecting it to generate a lot of online buzz and like hunting for all the mysteries whereas even just from the trailer dc did seem very handholdy walking you straight through the plot line and it seemed like a lot of the um added in scenes for the groundwork were doing the exact same thing like they all essentially spelled out what was coming in the future i think if it's done well you call it an easter egg if it's done not as well, or it just is more jarring, it would be like shoehorned in. 
trying to um, think for the Spider-Man movies. Did they have all of these Easter eggs back then? Because I was thinking X-Men, but yeah, the mar- modern Marvel movies do it all the time. I, I, like They do it so well, I don't even realize it yeah. anymore. Well, that's the thing. To me, the, the absolute best is just kind of... Um, the collector scene in Guardians. Yeah. yeah. It, I, just so much Easter eggs, which are fun. Like Cosmo, which probably will not re- be important in the future as much as I love Cosmo the space a dog. Uh, but there's other things like uh, Adam Warlock's Cocoon, which generated an insane amount of uh, buzz online yeah. and could possibly tie in. You didn't hear it though. Cosmo's been signed for like eight pictures. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually like, he's second highest contract ever, Samuel. I am so behind any telepathic <laughs> cosmonaut dog. Uh, in general, what did people think of uh, the soundtrack? This, this may just be me, but it seems so glaring. One, two, Hans Zimmer. So two, yeah, Hans Zimmer. That's what I was going to say. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. This that's guy all you walks and through life and all he hears is music <laughs> all the time. I don't know. <laughs> it was over the top. The movie was over the top. Yeah. Yeah. It fit the movie. I think you can't yeah. make short corny scenes emotional by putting a crescendo into it. Very climactic. That was the thing. It was just so, um, almost just generic during the non-big scenes. But when it was ever a big scene, it got so melodramatic, I was giggling to myself. Felt almost (laughs) like space opera-ish. Yeah, and um, it was just also weird because the leitmotif for uh, Wonder Woman so does not go with the rest of the soundtrack whatsoever. No. Like, it's just this guitar solo, which at first I actually believed was like X-Men 92, like <laughs> <laughs> You hear that basically in everything, though. Um, I don't know if it was guitar solo I thought they were trying to make it sound more like, um, I don't know how to describe it, more like Middle Eastern-ish <laughs> or like something that's a little bit more exotic sounding. I felt like everyone was walking on one of those giant pianos. <laughs> Each step they took. Every, every step. <laughs> it was cool. Did Batman have his own theme and Superman? They must have, but I didn't recognize them. Hers well, was the only one I recognized. They weren't as distinct. glaring. Yeah. Yeah, they're just basically a lot of orchestrated cli- anti climactic. Well, climactic, climactic, but climactic, but to a point where you, you don't you get a peak and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you think it? How, so, if we look at the new Fifty Two, the way that it reintroduced these characters, that was really, really recent um, for comics. How would this compare to that? Like, obviously, the comics had way more time and space to work with, but this is them, for all intents and purposes, trying to show the movie watching world what these characters are, what they can do. They presuppose yeah. we know Batman that he's been around they, for they a really long time. They assume we know a lot, actually. Actually, <laughs> I I was confused by that because. We barely got any backstory on Wonder Woman, which yeah. I felt was great for her character, but we did get another Batman origin story to kick the film off, which I felt was just extraneous. So it on was... one hand, they I, it was weird. I felt that they did trust us to know some of the characters who were less known, but I just don't know why we had to walk through like the pearls uh, after Zorro again. Yeah. Hmm. They, yeah I... they used that footage again later on in the film. Maybe it was to strengthen the tie... To, to the character? Yeah, actually, it did tie into a very important scene in the movie it, when you think about it. Into a plot it. point. Yeah. Which, I mean, doesn't... Uh, I don't feel... I feel like it was... I laughed at that scene more than anything, to be yeah. honest. Like, I, not laughed out, but I found it funny 
not and less powerful than they wanted it to. Oh well, also like, but it did tie into the plot. Yeah, way. well, part of like undermining the power is that Zack Snyder just l- loves uh, really photographic moments. Uh, mm. Like so yeah, many times, visually there was a lot of nice moments, mm. but it didn't serve the story. Yeah, uh, and I feel that also kind of added to the length, right? Like I started laughing when like you just had Bruce Wayne wandering through smoke with horses walking by. Yeah. There's actually a lot of horseplay in uh, the movie. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not sure if this would be considered a spoiler or anything, but you know, feel free to stop me when they show. Oh, the, stop! The, the opening scene uh, is a retelling of the you know after the Zorro with Bruce Wayne's parents. Um, it's the opening scene, but the opening credits are happening at the same time. I can't think of another way to undermine the emotional impact of that scene any more than to have it happening while I'm seeing words fly at me, like, visual effects provided by, directed by, like, did anyone else find that extremely weird? Uh, well, I, I did start giggling, because directed by Zack Snyder popped up right at the moment where it seemed the most unbelievable. Like, <laughs> how did that dude get his arm and gun caught in the pearls? Yeah, I don't know. If for something that's supposed to have so much emotional weight, throwing the credits on top of it was just really, really tripped me out. And I was like... It At could, the beginning of the movie, it freaked me out. It could have been a way just to kind of try to shorten it a bit all instead of having yeah. that a bit after the credits. Because, I mean, even at that, we all kind of know that story pretty well. Yeah. So having it, even even having it as an opening scene, I found it a little um, kind of repetitive because we've seen it, seen it so yeah. many times before. So Certainly set the tone for the film. Definitely. Definitely did. It was pretty dark. Actually, now that I think about it, what I would have loved to see as an opening scene would actually be Luther commanding his empire of companies, uh, really establishing how much he controls, how much people listen to him, how mm-hmm. smart yeah. he is. Being able to really understand who well, he is. Well, because he's also, he's three against one, I mean, when it comes down to it. You know, he, you've got to make him big enough to counteract all these superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, to have some sort of fear against him. Yeah. Well, Definitely. we did see he was great with the rebound. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> true. Swish. <laughs> Great head of hair. Yeah. Great head of hair. Those locks, Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I mean, the other villain that was shown in the trailer as well is yeah. Doomsday. Yeah. I, think, I don't think that's spoiling anything. I was really, really pleasantly surprised with that character, actually. I yeah. thought it worked a lot better than... Um, I, I thought it worked better than I thought it would. I agree with that, actually. When he first came, at, uh, at one point, I... I mean, visually, I thought he reminded me of, uh, like, Troll from War of the Rings. I thought the exact same <laughs> yeah, thing. Like, But overall, by the end of the fight, I did like how the whole thing developed. I don't want to say more on it. Yeah, well, we can say that the gestation period was fairly generic, but, like, the CG came through in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And they, by having him tie into the Kryptonian past plays a lot with the character, actually. It makes sense with the way that the Doomsday character has been portrayed in the comics, too. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty good. I think one of the issues I had with it also is that as uh, visual as Zack Snyder is, he did uh, something I felt I saw a lot more in uh, Superman Returns, the mm-hmm. one by Singer, mm-hmm. where there's a few scenes where he was very much like, oh, I'm going to try to like replicate this panel from the comic. Yeah. And like while it looks cool, it didn't serve the story at all. Like It was something you're just like that, you know, almost like a really well done cosplay. Mm-hmm. You're know, like, okay, that's cool to see, but beyond that, you know, it's not... Doing anything for the movie. movie. It's kind of fluff. Yeah. Yeah. I especially felt that during the montages of uh, Superman saving people. Uh, Like, it was always kind of like this, like, 
ended on this big picture of his power, yeah. but never really uh, the people thanking him and feeling this groundswell of support for being saved, mm-hmm. except for this one time, which was just kind of lessened because it was so Zack Snydery, where it's like he's saving people on the Mexican Day of the Dead, uh, <laughs> yeah. just because it's cool to have everybody in skull face paint. I, th- I thought it worked for the last James Bond movie, and it worked for this movie, too. It was cool to see all those people in that face paint. I also feel it's really, uh, if I lived in that world, and every time Superman Mexico? had to save someone... No, in the whole it's movie. different world. It's I think it was actually world. Colombia or Argentina. But. I feel that <laughs> Superman always slowly coming down as a god to save people, when there's like clearly a lot of people that I need am. to be saved. Yeah. Like, He's yo, losing speed time. <laughs> yeah. Snyder but, does love his slow-mo. <laughs> that was definitely a lot of figurative... Play throughout the like it's so heavy-handed. Yeah, he he goes into these things where he does these dream sequences and flashbacks, and you're just like they could have done without. All in my opinion, they could have done without a lot. Sloshing it on, it's like a cake with too much icing. You're just like you're ruining it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I like me my cake. So me making that analogy (laughs) means a lot if you knew me. Yeah, overall though, um, I I think it's okay to talk about like the dream sequence in generics because it's been mentioned in like outside of, uh, of like trailers and the yeah. media and like uh, toy tie-ins and stuff and uh, that was actually one of the things I was most worried about going in and it's weird because like some of my fears were realized uh, like just in general I never think Batman should be using a gun yeah, um, even, yeah. in, even in the dream yeah uh, but overall I love that or that was actually you let out that violence Paul you dream about it then you don't go don't kill people he should play that. Grand Theft Auto like the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but overall though I, I thought that was actually my one well, by the time that was finished it was one of my favorite sequences of the film really actually, sorry yeah. to go back to your earlier point do you think when Batman plays Grand Theft Auto he tries <laughs> to stop people from committing crimes no, I think he commits crimes like crazy. Yeah, he tries to get the star rating really high. I don't actually think he plays Grand Theft Auto. I think he makes Alfred play while he sits in the background taking notes, criticizing him. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. oh yes, this is how a criminal escapes. Oh, mark that alleyway down. I can, I can just imagine trying to hijack cars and pull people out of them and go, where are they? The entire As he time. simmed his Grand Theft Auto like Gotham. Yeah, probably. Is that how he maps it out. Uh, Alfred. What people Actually, think of Alfred? one of my oh, big complaints, which I'll say is, uh, which we talked about right after we stepped out, was the proximity of Gotham to Metropolis. Yeah, yeah, that was very. That cool. really unsettled it, me. It really seemed like St. Paul and Minneapolis, Twin where cities, they were just yeah. like across the yeah. bay. Yeah, you know, like in in I remember Nolan's Batman movies, like the bridge played a big deal because it's very important to Gotham. Yeah. But in this, if you tried to like just cut off the bridge, you'd be like, "Yo, Superman." Like, just fly over that for me for a second. It's literally like if you want to get from here to Laval. Yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> but which one's Laval? Gotham or Metropolis? Gotham. Gotham. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Montreal has more of the Laval feel. <laughs> Montreal uh, has more of the Laval feel. Wow. Uh, excuse me. It's like 1 a.m. right now. 1.30. Uh, 1.30. Yeah, so forgive me. It has more of a Gotham feel is what I meant to say. Yeah. yeah. It's got yeah. the architecture. Yeah. Definitely. Oh man! But it, it was very close. I mean, Lois Lane had to jump jump on a copter for about five minutes, and then she was yeah, she's right there. So, the like a lot of movies I see, the way that I rank them is like, will I see them again? Yeah, I might watch this one again, but I probably wouldn't. Man of Steel. No, I, I would. I'll watch anything with Batman twice. Man of <laughs> Steel. I wouldn't watch, watch it again. in theaters. In theaters, again. you probably. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, I'd probably watch it again with the caveat that I would just fast forward to action scenes. Uh, <laughs> overall, I don't think there was much story to draw me back to that. No. Right? I, you know what? 
I was thinking about this earlier while talking to someone about how I don't see movie like I Man of Steel was not a movie I'd see twice. Yeah. Even though I didn't hate it, I just you know I didn't like enough to watch it again. But then I thought about it and I realized I don't think I've seen any of the Marvel movies or DC movies. Mm-hmm. I think maybe from the Batman trilogy, I may have seen one of them twice. Yeah. But I really don't rewatch movies, so I can't use that as a proper grading for me. Sure. Like, the only movie I rewatch is Lord of the Rings and, like, the original TMNT and The Pest, because George always insists on watching it with me. Shout out to Liguizamo. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's not a good grading for me, but, yeah, no, What's I What's the rate equivalent? One on ten? One on ten. No, it's not a one on ten. No, I'm saying between one and ten. Am I grading you, Claudio, or the movie? You can grade me whenever you want. <laughs> Grade the movie uh, not, um, for the public and then grade him privately. <laughs> like I, My thing was, do, do I think you should see it in theaters? Yeah, because, you know, it's a big screen movie. Uh, yeah. It's something that everyone's been waiting for. The action sequences alone are, alone are worth it. Uh, unless you're a big fanboy, though, I don't think you'll be seeing it a second time in theaters. That's that's how I rank it, I guess. I sure. won't dissuade you from seeing it in theaters, though. I think it's worth seeing once. Yeah. At mm. least to form your own opinion. Hmm. And because it's like a good six weeks until a civil war. <laughs> so you might as well go see something. Yeah. Which they showed as a trailer before. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'd i have to agree with all you guys as well. I probably wouldn't see it again in theaters. The one warning I will give is don't stay until after the credits. Because there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bit disappointing. A lot of booze. Smart. He went to smoke. Well, I, I just <laughs> feel like I should have taken up smoking. <laughs> I just assumed that. DC wouldn't do that because they would never want to seem like they're copying Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. I said that while we were in there, but I said you never know. Just in I case. was just trying to be informed for the podcast. You know, <laughs> our listeners listen to this. I don't know why. <laughs> That's and, all I have uh, to say there. I guess on that note, we'll cut it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you have any questions, come ask them at the store. This was a CrossoverComics.ca production. Ow, my feelings.